Welcome to Passion Church. For more information about Passion Church, please visit us online at www.passionchurch.tv. Now let's join the service already in progress. Commercialization of this uh, this holy season, and in light of Pastor Steve's uh, series on sin, return to sender, especially talking about money and so forth, I, I wanted to speak to you today. I felt very led of the Holy Spirit to talk to you about counterfeit gods, counterfeit gods, and so there are several verses of Scripture. Uh, the first one is found in Exodus chapter twenty verses 3 through the first part of verse 5. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourselves a carved or a graven image of any likeness of anything that is in the earth beneath or that is in the heavens or in the waters under the earth. You shall not bow down to them nor serve them nor worship them. And then in Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse 14, you shall not go after other gods, of the gods of the people who are around about you. And then in Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 17 through 19, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by or through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and the length and the depth and the height and to know the love of Christ, which uh, passes knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Notice what Paul said. That Christ may dwell in your heart by faith. That you knowing the love of God, its height, its depth, its length, its width, that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. And then in First John chapter... Verse 21, John said, Little children, flee also from idols. I want to talk to you about counterfeit gods. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of the Lord began to hover or to brood, actually to breathe over that darkness to bring light. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. And out of that chaos, there came creation. And when God saw all that he had made and created, he simply said, it is good. Because it was God. And then God said, let us make man in our own image and according to our own likeness. So God created man in his own image in the likeness of God. He created male and female. He created them and he brought them into being. For The Bible says that God formed man out of the dust of the earth. And God took that lump of clay, that heap of dust and earth, and he breathed into man the breath of life, and man became a living soul. And when he used the term soul, he used a Hebrew word that is nephah or nephesh. 
And it literally is a description of the throat so that God breathed into man's nostrils. He breathed into man's body and man became a living being, a living soul. He had an appetite, a throat. He began a hunger and a thirst. And God so breathed into him that only the breath of God, only the presence of God, only the essence of God could satisfy that hunger and that thirst that God had created in man. And God said, it was very good. For man was stamped with the image of God. Literally, it means that God put a seed of himself into man. So that man is the only part of creation that can contain God. God is not in the rock. God is not in the lake. God is not in your pet. Now they show the goodness and the greatness of God, but they cannot contain God. For only man can contain the presence of God. And it was man's responsibility to reflect God's creation and his glory to the rest of creation. And so man became a physical being, an emotional being, a mental being, a spiritual being, a relational being. And God breathed life, a living soul into man. God is love. And the essence of God is love. And God breathed himself and his love into man. And man became that living soul. And so we are created to know God and to enjoy his presence forevermore. St. Augustine said it like this, you formed us for yourself and our hearts are restless until they find their rest in you. God and man were in relationship. For the Bible said that God placed his creation in that garden called paradise or Eden. And there he walked with man and talked with man. And God and man were in relationship together and in fellowship with one another. And God said, it's very good. And then there came that moment of the chaos of sin and Satan, using the subtleness of the serpent, slips into that garden enclosure and approaches God's creation and begins to question the goodness and the love of God. And he begins to pose the question, does God love you enough? Is he really the loving God, the benevolent heavenly father? Does he care about you like he said he did? If he were who he said he was, he would not withhold anything from you. He wouldn't bar a tree called the knowledge of good and evil, but if he loved like you think he loves, if he were really God, he wouldn't withhold anything from you. For God knows that the moment that you eat the fruit of this tree, you will be like God. It will make you wise like God. You'll no longer need God to determine what you should do and shouldn't do. You won't need God to set a moral standard for you. You won't need God in his instructions at all because you will become your own God. And immediately, the Bible says that Eve by temptation fell. She saw the tree with her eyes, the lust of the eyes. She saw it was good for food, the lust of the flesh. And she knew it would make her wise. That is the pride of life. And she was deceived into temptation and she took what God said, you cannot have because it belongs to me alone. And she ate. And immediately she gave to her husband, Adam, 
and he ate. Now don't misunderstand. Eve fell by temptation, but not Adam. Adam saw the results of the chaos of sin and disobedience. He saw her in her fallen state and immediately he disobeyed God. The Bible said because of one man's disobedience, because one man failed to hear and to heed what God said, sin came into the world and because of sin, death and death passed upon us all because we've all sinned, fallen short of the glory of God. And immediately the chaos of sin brought the curse. Do you know what the curse was? Now they had the knowledge of good and evil. They knew what was good, but they couldn't do it. And they realized what was evil, but they couldn't resist it. And man found that he lost something. He lost his innocency. All of a sudden he's filled with shame and guilt because he's disobeyed God and he realizes that he is naked and exposed. All of a sudden, until that time they were naked and there was no shame, no guilt. They trusted one another with their nakedness but now sin has clouded that and they can no longer trust one another with transparency and openness. And man leaves the fellowship of God and goes into the furthest reaches of that garden and tries to knit and sew together some fig leaves to futilely cover the nakedness of his own disobedience and his guilt and his shame. Because you remember God breathed into his nostrils. He breathed into his throat. And the only thing that can satisfy your hunger and your thirst is God. And until then, you're empty and man learns some lessons. The first lesson is that you can't hide from God. Everything is naked and open in the eyes of him with whom we do have to do because the voice of the Lord comes into the cool of the evening to walk with man and man is nowhere to be seen. And God says, where are you, Adam? And immediately he realized he couldn't hide from his sins. Oh, the bed's too short and the cover's too narrow, Isaiah said. There's no way that we can hide from God. Everything is exposed and naked in the eyes of God. Our covering, our fig leaves, our efforts can't hide us from God. And secondly, man learned that he was in this state of rebellion and sin against God and that no matter what he did, he couldn't cover that by himself. And so immediately he learned to make excuses. Adam who told you were naked? Have you done what I said you shouldn't do? And immediately he said, Lord, it wasn't me. It was this woman that you gave me. Now don't misunderstand that. He's not blaming Eve. He's blaming God. I didn't ask for her. You gave her to me. You're the cause of this. Eve learned immediately and when asked what she had done, she said, Lord, it wasn't me. It was the serpent that beguiled me. Immediately man learned he couldn't hide from God. He can't cover his own nakedness that he is hungry and thirsty without God. And so God said, the only thing that I can do for you right now is to give you a temporary solace and a covering. What I will do is give you the sweat of your brow work and out of that you'll receive some type of satisfaction but it won't be the breath of God that satisfies your hunger and your thirst 
And to the woman, he said, you'll have the sweetness and the sorrow of childbirth. And in that, you'll find some satisfaction, but it's not permanent. And the only other thing that I can do is take the skins of a dead animal and cover the nakedness and you'll be separated from God. And in dying, you will die and I'll thrust you away from the presence of God. But I give you the promise. One day, there will come the seed of woman and the seed of woman will bruise and smash and crush the head of the serpent. And immediately man finds himself separated from God, without God, with an appetite that can't be satisfied, with a hunger and thirst that is never filled, with a God-sized hole in his heart and his relationship. And the consequences is he's got to have something. And so immediately he begins the search in counterfeit gods. God said, you'll have no other gods before me. I am the Lord your God. I alone am one. And you'll serve me with all of your heart. Love me with all of your heart and your mind and your soul and your strength. Do not carve images. Do not make graven images and idols because idols are the works of a man's hand. Jeremiah put it like this. He said a man goes out into the forest and he cuts a tree down and he burns half of it for fire to keep him warm. And with the other half, he takes a knife and begins to carve and he makes him a graven image and he sets it up and bows down to worship it. It has eyes, but it can't see. It has a mouth, but it can't speak. It has ears, but it can't hear. It has hands, but it can't embrace. It has feet, but it can't come to you because it's a graven image. It's only the works of the hands of men. It's an idol. It's a counterfeit God. The Bible said, Paul said, and man believed the lie. They rejected the truth and believed the lie of the devil. And they turned and worshiped the creator, the creature, more than the creator who is blessed forevermore. He began this search. That's the consequences of being separated from God. Man starts this search for something, a graven image, some kind of a counterfeit God that will some way satisfy that hole in his heart, that hunger, that thirst that only God can fill. Man exchanged the truth of God for a lie and he began to have idols, props, Oh, Brother Bob, we don't have idols today. Oh, really? Uh, uh, why then would John say, little children talking to you, flee idols. Get away from idols. Because every since the fall of man, the consequence of the chaos of sin is this search and longing and desire for something to satisfy what God created. And so we have props and idols. Oh, you don't think? Oh, we've got, we've got cathedrals great and small all across America. Stadiums, uh, churches that will hold 30 to 100 plus thousand of people. And they assemble on a regular basis nearly every Saturday or Sunday. Now they're in Qatar. Amen. And they worship Oh, we're, we're part of a certain church. Well, 
tick, 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 not, not to church. And we have certain vestments, robes, and they have to be the right color. Crimson and cream or orange and black or red and black or whatever your church is. And we have to rave the right kind of flags and, and we have chants and fight songs. Oh, oh, ole, ole, ole. And we have all the right symbols. Oh no, that one. And some people are so devoted, they have to wear the right clothing and the right number. Amen. And they'll only use the equipment that has a certain name on it. You know, the popular pastor. Okay, you'll get it in a minute. And some will only use the right equipment. Has to be stamped with the pastor's name. And we sit in the stands, oh, pardon me, the church, and, and we holler, amen. We get emotional. If we lose, we're depressed for the next service or two or three. And if we win, we become emotionally ecstatic and we leave the, the, not, the pews and we rush the, not the, the church and we shout, we won. No, you didn't. You watched. You didn't kick the ball in the net. You didn't shoot it in the hoop. You didn't hit it with the bat. You didn't throw it. You made no tackle. All you did was live vicariously through somebody else who could do what you can't do. Amen. And if we lose, we're going to change pastors. Pastors. And what we need for next service season is better members, players, players. And maybe we can proselyte some through the portal. I mean, I mean, through another church. And when it's all over, we're just as hungry and just as thirsty without God as we was before. Because when all the medals and the trophies is rusted and all the banners are moth-eaten, we look at one another and say, is that it? Is that all? Empty, hollow, counterfeit. And it's not just props, it's people. Immediately the Lord had said, I'm going to see, send you the seed of woman, a person. And man began to look into people. If I can get the right person, I'll be complete. Well, read the story. Immediately Adam knows his wife and she conceives and brings forth a son. And she says, Cain. You know what that means? Acquired. I have gotten and acquired a man from the Lord. Surely this is the seed of promise. This is the one that will satisfy the thirst that he created within us. It's in Cain. But he's a murderer. And so she conceives and brings forth the second son. And his name is Abel or Abal. And that means breath 
Oh, here he is. He's the one that the Father's promised. He is the breath of life. He is the vapor that we need. But his name also means empty, fleeting. And before long, he's gone. But man didn't stop. He's constantly looking to be satisfied by another person. Oh, go with me to Genesis and the story of Jacob. He's lost his father's love because his father Isaac loves his brother Esau. He's separated from his mother's love. He's separated from the love of his family because his own brother Esau hates him and is trying to kill him. And he goes over into Laban's house and there she is, Rachel. And the Bible said he saw her beauty and her body. Now you King James Version people have to understand that the translators tried to dress it up. But the rabbis and the Hebrews say this is the most raw, open, direct language that's ever used in the Bible. He not only saw the beauty of her appearance, he saw the form of her body. Amen. And he wanted sex. Oh, that's the wrong word. It trembled in here. <laughs> I, I can just see him when he sees Rachel. He breaks out. In my day, he would have said, only you can make my life complete. Only you. In this day, he would have said, I need your love. Or maybe you've broken out in that Christmas carol. All I want for Christmas is you. And he's willing to pay four times the value of the regular dowry to have her. He gives himself for seven years as an indentured servant and a slave in order to have the pretty one, Rachel. And at the Bible said those seven years seemed just like days. And at the end of the seven years, he comes to Laban. Now Laban had never said, I'll give her to you because Laban is a deceiver too. And Laban said, well, it's better for me to give her to you than I give her to someone else. He didn't say I was gonna do it. He just said, it wouldn't be better. And at the end of seven years, Jacob appears to Laban and he says, I want my wife now. I, I'm not gonna go into that language. And Laban said, okay. And so now they have the wedding feast and Jacob is well drunk and Laban sees a way to get rid, not of the pretty one, but of the ugly one. Because Rachel has an older sister by the name of Leah. And Leah means doe-eyed or tender-eyed. It literally means she is deformed. It, it means she has a disability. It means she's quite ugly, unattractive. And Laban knows he can't get anything of value out of Leah. And he sees a way to deceive and to get some more work. And he veils Leah and sends her in to Jacob. And Jacob is in the bad need of an optometrist or an ophthalmist or something. And when the wedding night is over, the Bible said, Jacob awakes and in the morning, behold, it was Leah. Oh, hallelujah. And every time that man awakes from trying to satisfy himself outside of God, he wakes up from whatever it is and he says to himself, 
Is that it? Behold, it's just Leah. It doesn't satisfy. Oh, hallelujah. And ever since then, man thinks if he gets the right person, I'll be complete. I'll be satisfied. The right wife, the right girlfriend, the right significant other. If I can just get the right person, if I can have, David said, Bathsheba, I'll be, I'll be complete. No, the sword will never leave your house. A Samson, if I can just put my head in Delilah's lap and your power's gone and your destiny is almost destroyed. And in the morning, it's Leah. And ever since then, you think a person is gonna satisfy that hunger and thirst in your heart. That's, that's the lady at the well, you know. She's tried five times to find the right one. Divorced five times. She's living in a fraudulent relationship with a man that gives her his bed, but not his name. And she's coming to a natural well thinking, if I could just get some water out of this well, it would satisfy my thirst. And Jesus said, if you drink this water, this water that comes from this natural well, you will thirst again. But if you drink of the water that I give unto you, it will be a well of living water springing up unto eternal life. It can't satisfy. And so now we live vicariously through our kids. Amen. We, we idolize them. They're gonna do what we couldn't do. They're gonna play like we could never play. They're gonna win the beauty contest and the pageant when they're four years old. That's almost child abuse. That's just my opinion. I just threw that in. <laughs> and if we don't do it through our kids, we do it through our grandkids. I love to watch Devin play baseball and Tal shoot a basketball. But I told them early on, that's not who you are, that's what you do. Who you are, you're in Christ Jesus. That's your identity. This is just something you do that I enjoy watching. That doesn't make you who you are. Oh, amen. And so all of a sudden, people don't work. And so if the counterfeit God of people doesn't work, then we'll try possessions. I'll get the house. Now you got a 30 year mortgage and something that's constantly deteriorating. Oh, I'll get the car. Really? It will make me complete. The car doesn't complete you. You complete the car. It can't go from point A to point B without you. It doesn't matter whether it costs $500 or $500,000. It doesn't make you complete. And so the Bible says, beware of covetousness. For a man's life consisteth in more than in the things that he possesses. Amen. For a covetous man is an idolater. The Bible didn't say money is the root of all evil. It said the love of money. The inordinate desire and affection toward money is the root of all evil. And we think our, if we heap to ourselves things and moth and rust corrupt and thieves break through and steal because the Bible says where your treasures are, there will your soul, your nectar, your hunger and your thirst, your heart 
will be also. And they can't satisfy because they don't last. Amen. Go, go talk to the rich young ruler. He, his bank book was his Bible. Gold was his God. He was holding on to a lot of things and not about to let go. And he went away sad and grieved and lost when he could have had Jesus. And the man that was a rich farmer and he had a bumper crop and he's gonna build larger barns and he's gonna lay up goods and take his rest and drink and be merry. And God said, tonight your soul is required of you. Who shall all these things be? Because you brought nothing in to this world. Naked you came. And they can put you in the fanciest, most expensive suit on the rack. But naked you go. Because possessions are empty. A life filled with things means nothing. They can't satisfy. They asked John Rockefeller, who at that time was the richest man in the world, how much money is enough? And he gave a one-word answer, more. And when he died, they asked his accountants, how much did he leave? And his accountant looked at him with a little grin and said, all of it. Because possessions cannot satisfy the hunger and the thirst. And so when that doesn't work, we turn to pleasure. Men are lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God. And if I can get that emotional high, if I can get that physical thrill, the only problem is he didn't say sin wasn't fun. He just said it doesn't last. It's called the law of diminishing returns. You start on this level, but the next time, this level doesn't do anything for you, so you gotta go up a level, and then you gotta go up a level, and so you start with alcohol, graduate to marijuana, get on cocaine, and finally shoot heroin. Why? Because the pleasure doesn't last. It's fleeting. The 15 minutes of physical pleasure, the 15 seconds is over and it's gone. And so people begin to live to eat instead of eat to live. And the consequences is obesity and problems. And we that love chocolate don't eat one piece, we eat the whole box. And the consequences is thunder fries. Because it doesn't last. Go talk to the prodigal son. He, he's the life of the party until the famine hits and his funds are gone and his friends evaporate and famine is in the land and he's in the hog field. Because pleasures never last. They're just for a moment. They can't satisfy the hunger and the thirst. And so if it's not people and possessions and pleasures... Then, 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 then we try in popularity. If I can just get my 15 seconds of fame, then I will be satisfied. I, w I, wanna, I wanna go to the notes because I wanna read you something. I, I, I wanna mention these to you. You, you listen. Cotton-Eyed Joe. <laughs> Kung Fu fighting. Afternoon delight. Rhythm of the rain. The book of love, feelings. You know what those are? One hit wonders. You don't even remember the artist. It was gonna make them famous. 
No. Popularity fades. Amen. And if it's not popularity, then it's power, position, work. Anything that we think will take the place of God. It's, it's even politics. You know, some people believe it's the government. They're going to take care of us. Oh, sure, $33 trillion in debt. They're going to take care of you. Dear friend, it's going to run out. Do you know there's not enough money, currency in the world to pay that debt? Do you understand that? Do you know that if today one nation demanded payment of that debt, there would be not enough currency to pay that one debt? Everyone would demand the payment and the whole thing would collapse. But they're going to take care. No. Look at the Jews. They're, they're given the choice between Jesus and Barabbas and Jesus and Caesar, who the Romans worshipped as a divine God as well as a, ro- a ruler. They worshipped their government. Oh, amen. And you know what the Jews? The Jews whom God said, I am your God. I alone am your Lord. You'll have no graven images. And you know what they said? We have no king but Caesar. Are you kidding me? Caesar has you in impression, uh, oppression and in bondage and you think he can satisfy? And, and, and most of us now are so wrapped up in the political divisiveness of this world and we think it's Republican, Democrat. No, it's the Lamb of God. Oh, don't sit down on me. Some of you can't get away from the news feed. You're so wrapped up in the divisiveness. Uh, Clinton's gonna save us. Obama's gonna save us. Biden's gonna save us. Trump's gonna save us. DeSantis is gonna save us. No, they're not. There'll be peace on earth, goodwill toward men when the Prince of Peace establishes his kingdom. And all this other... I got news for you. I turn it off. I don't even, I don't even listen to the news anymore because I get too involved. I, I have this feeling of wanting righteousness and judgment and fairness and, and I can't stand. I just turned off. Now, don't look at me like that. I don't have time for that junk because it's counterfeit. No matter who you elect, that's not gonna be the answer. I, I'm, I'm glad you vote for the right people and you stand for biblical principles. I'm not saying that. But if you think that can satisfy the hunger and the thirst and the emptiness in your soul, you're gonna go away disappointed and just as empty as ever. Because it won't. And we even have that in church. We, we may have counterfeit gods in church. Oh, brother. Well, didn't the Pharisees? They had their code, their creed. They were more concerned about how Jesus washed his hands than they were about him extending his hands to save and to heal. Their code and their creed meant more than their Christ because they kept their code and their creed and they killed their Christ. Oh, hallelujah. And in the church... We do the same thing because the moment that your methods and your music becomes more important than your master, that is an idol. (laughs) The moment that your preference and style of worship 
becomes more important than the Savior that you're worshiping, that's an idol. Oh, hallelujah. The more that your own preferences and style become more important than your Savior, that's an idol. That's a counterfeit God. And it cannot satisfy. It cannot fill that God-sized hole in your heart. It can't satisfy your hunger and your thirst. Because when it's all over, you'll still be just empty and naked as you were before. Mm. In fact, I didn't list them all. But whatever you can't let go of, whatever you can't cut off, whatever you cannot lay down, whatever you cannot walk away from is an idol. From cell phones to social media. Amen. And when it's all over and you've experienced it all and when you wake up in the morning, behold, it was Leah. And it doesn't satisfy. And the only cure is Christ. Can't you imagine Jesus and the Father looking over into the chaos of creation that sin has brought? <laughs> and, and, and Jesus looks at his Father and he says, Father, you created it, now fix it. And the Father says, I can't. I can give temporary covering. I, I, I can give a promise that one day the seed of woman will come, but I can't fix it. Only you can fix it. And God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. When the fullness of the time was come, God sent forth his son made of a woman, made under the law to redeem us that were under the law that we might receive the adoption as of sons. And Jesus made himself of no reputation and took upon himself the form of a servant and was found in the likeness of men and being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself, came to this earth and the word was made flesh and it dwelt among us and moved into the chaos of our mess. And you see him there in this season as a baby in a limestone manger lying in a feed trough in a cattle crib and he's not wrapped with paper and tinsel in a bowl, but he's wrapped in swaddling clothes and he's gonna bring the peace that nothing else can provide. For he is the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. He is the way and the truth and the life and no man comes to the Father except him. He's born in Bethlehem, the house of bread, the house of flesh because he alone is the true bread from heaven and he alone is the water of life that sustains. He's the only way back to the Father. He's the only truth that will set you free from the lie of the devil. He's the only life 
that will satisfy. I, I could, he's the first begotten from the dead, the true and faithful witness, the great amen. He alone has power, dominion, and authority. He has the keys to death and to hell. It's only in Jesus. He alone. But to get to Christ, Paul says you have to come through the cross. He said, Christ dwells in your heart by faith. And I want you to know what is the height of God's love. Because the height of His love reaches all the way to heaven and brings the Son of God to the earth. And I want you to know the depth of God's love because it reaches all the way to hell. And before He ascended, He descended and took captivity captive and gave gifts to me and it reaches all the way to the gates of hell. And the length of His love It'll go all the way to Calvary. All the way to Golgotha's hillside. All the way to the suffering and the sacrifice for your sins. And the breadth and the width, it's so wide that whosoever will, let him come and drink of the water of life freely. It will embrace everyone. And the only way you can get to the cure, which is Christ dwelling in your heart by faith, so that you'll be filled with the fullness of God again, so that you'll have the breath of God within you that will satisfy the hunger and the thirst and the emptiness and the hole in your heart. Is you got to come to the cross. For we have received through His blood the redemption of our sins, even forgiveness. And without shedding of blood, there is no remission. And He is the Lamb that paid His life for us and were redeemed not by corruptible things like silver and gold, but by the incorruptible blood of Jesus Christ, who is the Lamb of God. That's Father of that way. So this morning, the only way that you can come to the cross, to come to Christ, is come through the cross. And so I want you to come to the cross with me. Would you? For just a moment, I want you to come to the cross. I want you to see the sorrow of the cross. Because when you get there, you will find that Jesus prays. And he says, Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how often. And when you get there, you'll see the suffering of the cross. You know, you know what the suffering and the sacrifice of the cross is? They said, if you be the Christ, come down from the cross and save yourself, you save others. And if you come down real bullet, if he comes down and saves himself, he can't save you. And so I want you to get so close to the cross that you'll hear the sounds. If, if, if you get right close to the cross, you'll hear the sounds of his love. And you'll hear him say, Father will forgive them. They know not what they do. That's love's prayer. And then you'll come to love's uh, uh, promise and you'll say to the, the thief, today you'll be with me in paradise. And then you'll come to love's provision. Son, behold your mother. Mother, behold your son. You'll hear his thirst. I thirst. You'll hear his anguish. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? If you get close enough, you'll hear his commitment. In my hands I commend my spirit. And if I get close enough, you'll hear his trauma. It's finished. It's painful. Now men can be satisfied. But I want you to get so close with me today that you'll see love's humiliation. It's on the cross. He's stripped. 
naked on the ground. If you get close enough, you'll see the crown of love that's on his head, it's thorns. Because one day he'll redeem creation too from the curse of sin. If you get close enough, you'll see love stripes that are on his back so that you can be filled and healed. And if you get close enough, you'll see love's heart because his side is open. And his heart's pumping blood and water for you. But if you get close enough, you'll see his arms. And they're as wide as it can possibly be. And he allows them to be nailed that way. So he sends you a message. Come. I will not cast you out. Whosoever will, let him come and drink of the water of life freely that will satisfy. Those that come in me, I will not push you away or push you off. Come. My arms are open. There's a song in my clothes that says this. For the world that's lost in darkness, for the saint who's gone astray, for the sinner blind and searching, for the child in need of faith, for the homeless and forsaken, for the hungry and the cold, for the prisoner and the captive, for the young and for the old, there is a remedy for every sin-sick soul. There's a cure for all, all the pain and hurt and wrong. There is a solution for all the problems deep inside. There is a remedy. His name is Jesus Christ. For the bitter, for the lonely, for the weary and afraid, for the burdened and frustrated, the discouraged and dismayed, for the mocked and persecuted, for the battered, for the wrong, for the scarred and for the wounded, for the weak and for the strong, for every tribe and nation, for every color and every race, for every tongue and every language, for every time and every place. There's an answer to the question. There is love for all the hate. There's a healer for the dying. He's the life and the truth and the way. Not the nails, but His wondrous love for me kept my Lord on the cross of Calvary. Oh, what power could keep Him there? All my sin and shame to bear. Not the nails, but his wondrous love for me. He's the only one that satisfies. Father, thank you right now for your presence. You just won't get here. Strip us of our fig leaves. For we realize after we've had all these possessions and pleasures and people and power, popularity and fame. In the morning, it's always in you. Satisfy. Give us true bread and true water and true life. Let us bring up to life everlasting. In Jesus' name, would you stand with me right now? While she's playing, and for just fullness of God, peace, joy, love, mercy, grace. And if you need Jesus, You've tried all the rest, and it's just lame. It's just empty. Then I offer you the true bread, true life, the true way, the truth that will set you free. His name is Jesus. And he came here just for you. And you need him. I want you to step out right now. I know we use just one hands and pray. But look, 
If we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us. We have to repent. We have to come to the cross. And I want to ask you, the Holy Spirit speaking into your heart right now. And you don't have to leave your empty and hollow, futilely covered, but unsatisfied. You can have Christ dwelling in your heart by faith. You can have the fullness of God in you. You breathe into you the breath of life that satisfies. That's through Christ. And you need to come to Jesus right now. I want you to step out right now. I need Christ. I need the cure. I need the cross. I need Jesus. Would you let the Holy Spirit draw you right now? Just come and stand here with me. I just want to pray for you. Amen. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. Obey the Holy Spirit. Come on. God is speaking to you right now. Hallelujah. God speaking to you right now. Obey the Lord. Come on. There's others here. There's others here right now that the Holy Spirit is speaking to you. You're empty, hollow, surrounded with things and new TVs and iPhones. You tried the pleasure. You believed a person could satisfy you. You had a position, power, work, whatever it is, pride. And at the end, when the hunting and the fishing and the golfing and the bowling and the softball's all over. You say, is that it? Is that all there is? Jesus is waiting for you. Come on. Let the Holy Spirit speak to you right now. Breathe into your life. Would some of the guys from, from Hope Center come and help me pray for these? Come on. Hallelujah. While, while they're coming to pray, Right where you stand. If you need Jesus, He's here for you. Would you slip up your hand with me right now here in the audience? And would you pray? Father, we believe you came for me. I believe you came to the cross. I believe you died for my sins. You spilled your life's blood to wash away my sins, to pay the price for my iniquity. The Lord, you were resurrected in the newness of life to defeat sin and death and hell and the grave and to bring a way for me to get to the Father. And I, I come through the cross. I want to know you. I want to know the love of God that reaches to the heavens and descends to the depth and goes all the way to the cross and open wide its arms to receive me. I want Christ in me, the hope of glory. I want Christ to dwell in my heart by faith. I want to be filled with the fullness of his life and his breath. I ask you to do that for me today in Jesus' name.
Father, we thank you for your word this morning. We thank you for the word that Brother Bob spoke over us. And Lord, I pray that it's something that we can take and we can meditate on it and we can begin to apply it to our lives. Father, I thank you for those that made the decision to come down this morning. And God, I, I just pray over the ones that you're still working on. May you continue to work, continue to pull their It's been a privilege to have you join us for this time of ministry. To find more Passion Church resources or to make a donation online, visit www.passionchurch.tv. Remember, you can't live without passion.